I mean, I don't even know if I want to do this intro, but I guess we have to. We should let the listeners know what's coming up, right, Julio? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, obviously, we recap the very disappointing series that just happened. Um, we talk about the uh, kind of looming free agents that are coming for the A's and just kind of what the foreseeable future could hold and and why it is we keep having this results in the American League Divisional Series. Then what do we talk about, Julio? We talk about, well, if you have the courage to continue to watch baseball, uh, if there's any former Oakland A's players you should be keeping an eye out for, or coaches, who to root for, and uh, what kind of person you would be if you root for any specific team. And then uh, we talk about, like, where do we go from here, man? We got a whole offseason, no Oakland A's baseball. It's the winner's going to be slowing down. What are we going to take next for the podcast? But don't worry, folks. There will still be a show. Might not be as frequent, but don't worry. We're going to keep going. The tailgate is still going to keep going on. Um, so let's jump into the episode. So we had decided to take a couple days to cool down, collect our thoughts, um, and just relax a little bit before we wanted to do a podcast. Uh, I know a lot of you fans reached out to us asking when we were going to go. Um, I just we we knew that if we did one that night, that it would have just been anger fueled and just like a lot of just bitching. And the, although that is going to be what today's podcast is, it's still a lot of bitching. It yeah. is still going to be a lot of bitching, but it's just going to be a little bit more thought out, more constructive bitching. Um, so welcome back to the Town Tailgate Podcast, a more cool, cool, uh, collected one. Um, that's Julio Renoso. That's, that's the right way to put it. Yeah, and I'm Chris Madrigal, of course. Yeah. So we're we're recording this Sunday night, uh, October 11th. October 11th. So before we go into our sorrows of defeat uh we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room which is uh, a big win that happened today so well, i just want to say congratulations to chris madrigal for finally getting a win in our dynasty fantasy football league it's it's not a long official time yet. coming it's not official it's not yet official. I, I still knock on wood if you're with I, me I, I still have two players tomorrow um and chick also has uh Chick also has two players tomorrow. So for the listeners, um, I'm not talking about an actual Chick. This is our friend that we call him Chick. It's a long story. Don't worry about it. Um, his, his last name is his, name, his last name is Chickarella. Yeah, so we call him Chick for short. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. Yeah, but the Raiders won. Derek Carr. I'm wearing that my was Derek Carr shirt today. Fan. Fantastic, man. So there's some. Wow, you called it. You called it earlier too. Hell I was yeah, like, I called it. Well, I did my research, bro. <laughs> I did my well, research. Yeah, sure. It's like they have a. I don't think. I think that might have been like Derek Carr's like first win against the Chiefs. I could be wrong. I know that's Patrick Mahomes' first loss against the Raiders. No, but. no, 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 no. Derek Carr. They've won. They've they've always split the series with the Chiefs for the past like six years. Like four of the six years, they've all no, even when they're bad, they've always split the series with the Chiefs. Somehow they've always been able to get one win. Um, but he's never won in Kansas City. This was his first ever win in Kansas City. That's what it was. Yeah. 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 Anyway, this is a baseball podcast. 
Yeah, um, we're trying to look. The reality is, we're trying to find some light in our sports lives when the thing that we really care about the most, because we started a podcast, is about is over. So, so uh, in a very disappointing American League divisional series, the A's lost to the Houston Astros um, in four games, um, going down Monday the fifth, ten to five, on a brutal loss. Because I, to this day still believe that if Marcus makes that that play cuz that was the inning that that opened that completely opened up the door for their offense in that game. If Marcus makes that play, um we go to game 5 cuz the series is 2-2. Um Tuesday the 6th lost 5-2. to The offense just could not get going. Could give no run support to Manaya and and the crew that day, which was brutal. Um big win Wednesday uh, come from behind win, um, nine to seven, and then it just uh, absolute ass whooping by the Astros, um, eleven to six on Thursday the eighth. I I mean it's just where do we start, dude? It's just it's the same old bullshit as it is every year. And I know the past couple years I've like bitched hardcore to you like seconds after the loss because of this because I just it's so frustrating because we can never get past the divisional series in the playoffs. And it's because of the lack of experience that we have from these young teams that constantly rebuild every four or five years. Um, but this year I think is just like more proof that I feel like I was like in a right state of mind the past couple of years after the losses, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing we got to bring up too is um, like, honestly, as much as we want to hate them and the, and I, we do hate them. There's no, there's no words divided, but a hey, shout out to the Astros, man. Those guys are still professional hitters. They're still going to hit the shit of the ball, which makes them cheating even worse because of this is how good they were without it. And for it's, it's, it's more or less, sorry to take a stab at Giants fans. It's more or less Barry Bonds taking steroids. You were already a hall of fame caliber player. And then you did steroids. Yeah. You made yourself better and cheated. So it's the same thing. It, it's kind of a slap in the face that like you guys were already a, elite ball club when it came to offense like the offensive side um and they still did it yeah it was uh it was rough it's it's there's obviously we can point put the blame game and do all that we can say like how disrespectful that was that they had of not just for the a's but for the astros to play nothing but day games at dodger stadium all week long uh where the ball was in talking with Dodger fans who said like they've never seen a ball fly like that before throughout a series ever. And it, it shows they, there's multiple like numbers that show like the ball was like, and it was hot as hell last week. But at the end of the day, uh, we're making excuses. Their pitching was not good. The pitching was something that we thought was going to be the anchor going into the season. They're not ready. And that's the truth, man. They're just those guys are not there yet. The thing that we relied on the most going into the playoffs was like, okay, and we said it on this podcast. Hey, as long as we can get four or five innings out of the starters, we're good. We're good. We got the bullpen. It you know, statistically, best bullpen in baseball. We're good. Everybody in the media was talking about it. Tim Kirkshin brought it up on Lebetard's show. Uh Buster only brought it up on baseball tonight. Uh, so on, so forth. They all said the exact same fucking thing. 
that bullpen is dirty. If it gets to that bullpen and they have a lead, you know, nine times out of ten, they're going to win the game, and that's fucking true. But it's an in, at the end of the day, it's still an inexperienced bullpen. It really is. The only guys who have seen playoff experience are Liam Hendricks and Joaquin Soria. I mean, it's just like it, it's it's the same shit. Oh, and, and Yusmero Petit, sorry, World Series winner. It's just the same fucking shit over and over. And, you know, I know early on, or the first couple games, it's easy to point the finger at the weather and the day games and all that. But our balls were flying out too, dude. We were hitting the shit out of the ball too. So, like, it's about when there's runners on first and third and there's no outs, how does it go one, two, three down like down one, one, two, three in the batters, and then we don't score any runs out of that. That's the shit that bothers me the most. But when the Astros have a runner on second base, just one runner on second base, they find a way to get him home. They find a way to string along hits. Like it, it just goes back to the experience. They've been there before. They they've stepped up to the moment and they've they've felt the pressure and they they've just done it. It's it's uh, to me it's really comes down to that. And we don't have guys like that. What I don't get either. Um, is like the whole like you the runners in scoring position. This was obviously something that it wasn't just a problem in the postseason last year. Yeah, but it was a problem throughout the season for the team. And it, it and like when we went through the struggles last year against with the end of the season and then Tampa taking the wild card game. The big things Bowmel made a big point of like, all right, we really need to focus on hitting runner scores and scoring position helping guys get into position and from year over year it seems at least to me that there was no improvement none there wasn't really it's pretty stagnant and and that's kind of one of those things like how do you teach that thing and for one like you got to play small ball you got to play small if you're willing to get some more take advantage of it case in point like i was watching the uh, I think it was the Dodgers game. It was game three where they were having guys doing double steals and just playing small for a team that could really crack the shit out of the ball and really dry, drop 10 runs on any given day. They were still playing that kind of ball. And that's kind of something that's a little bit wrong with our philosophy as like a franchise is it's historic that Billy Bean says, we don't bunt, we don't do steals. It's an easy out, all this thing. But you got to do that sometimes, especially in these dire situations where I thought we would have a little bit of an advantage that with the base stealing category, because yeah, they're not Ricky Henderson's not walking through that door, but like there were middle of the pack when it came to steal. So I thought, okay, maybe we can start seeing a little bit of that, especially when they're really struggling with getting some guys in scoring position and they just did not It was so stagnant. They were just kind of relying on their, what made them there good in the first place offensively, which is just dingers. But the the not... that offensive game only works like like that. The, what we hear all the time, like baseball is a marathon, not a sprint. Well, the playoffs are a sprint. Like we're in the last half mile, and you can't rely on just like yeah, I'm keeping my my heart rate is still still at a steady pace though. He's gonna burn out by the end of the no 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 no. You're at the end of the race and you're in third place. You need to start fucking booking it like like that that that's what bothers me the most about these Billy Bean put together teams too is they're not built that way. They're built to do exactly what they've done all season: the marathon, not the sprint. 
you know, at the end, it, you know, yeah, we may lose a couple games here, but you know, we've got two 120 games left. It's like, no, you don't have that. You lost a game today. Well, you only have another two more chances to do it. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I, we, I don't know. I wanted to touch on something you said earlier, but I think I, I kind of just touched on it. It, it, it's just, it's just so, it's just so frustrating. It's just so frustrating. This is the reason why we didn't do this podcast right after, because it would have been thirty, yeah, 30 exactly. minutes of this. Like, well, look, we're we're the the thing is, look, it's Sunday. The game was on Thursday, and we've had the weekend to kind of relax. Raiders one, which is awesome, had a had a pretty solid weekend. I know you've been all over the place with work and stuff, and I'm sure like you've had some time to think about it. But now mm-hmm. that we're actually like talking about it, I'm like, fuck, this sucks. It just, it just pisses me <laughs> off again. Yeah, I, I told my parents. My parents came to visit me this weekend because I moved. For those of you who are watching the YouTube feed, this is a different background because I live somewhere else. Um, and I, my my parents were kind of like, um. So did you and Julio record a podcast? And I was like, no, I just didn't want to talk to anybody that day. Like, as soon as the game was over, like, Jesse, te- like, all, all my friends texted me. I ignored half of them. Like, my roommate Jesse texted me. Former roommate Jesse texted me. He's just, like, trying to talk about it. I'm like, dude, honestly, I don't want to talk about it because I'm just pissed off. And I'm just going to just – it's just going to be a venting session. I'm warning you right now when you get home, like, I'm going to be in a bad mood. And he's like, got it. Okay, cool. Thanks for warning me. And it's just – it was one of those kind of days, and uh, I just want to touch on the starting pitching was actually, I felt like, other than game five, obviously, because um, uh, he kind of got rocked. For game four? No, I mean, well, who was game four again? That was uh, Montas. Montas, yeah. I guess Montas kind of got rocked. We didn't make game five, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, uh, Game four, yeah, sorry. Uh, the starting pitching was pretty good. Like I was impressed by Manaya. Obviously, he was giving up runs, but he was getting no run support. They only scored two runs in that inning or in that game. Like it was brutal. And then Bassett pitched a, what I thought was a, like a gem. Um, up until that error. Um, and uh, and then obviously Jesus Lazardo did did really well. He got into some trouble, but you know they they were able to work it out. But uh, um, I I do see a lot of promise there, but. One thing that we that my parents also brought up is like, at the end of the day, you can't go into a series with a Jesus Lazardo, a Chris Bassett, and a Sean Manaya. You need a guy, a, a, just a killer at the top, like a Trevor Bauer who we didn't go after, or a Mike Clevenger who we could have used. You need that killer who you know for a fact is going to give you six shutout innings, and you can actually make a game out of it. You can't have all these young, like questionable arms where you don't know where they're going to go with it. It's another thing that goes back yeah. to like our frustrations at in in the at the trade deadline, and it I think it proved that our frustrations were right, Julio. Yeah, and the thing is, like we're pretty high on Lazardo. I think he's going to once he. I think his problem is he's just having some location issues, which is like he's a kid still. He's twenty. Yeah, but that's years old. the problem. That's bound to happen. We rely he's on gonna, he, we, but we constantly rely on kids to start our series, our our playoff series. Now, there is some. We're not going to talk about free agency or trade stuff because we're going to wait until we get closer to that season. But there are some ideas. Well, we are going to talk about yeah, looming not, guys. We are going to talk about looming free agents, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, we we can't afford Bauer unless he he's been tweeting about all these teams of like, oh, I heard Baltimore is pretty nice during this time of the year. Oh, it looks like the Yankees need the arm. 
he hasn't tweeted about the A's because let's be real, that's it's not going to happen, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but I think if you can, Dave Stewart brought it up. He's like, I think a big problem with the rotation, and I think there's a couple other positions where we can really pinpoint that too. Is like they need a veteran. They need somebody who's been through the ringer in those situations, who's been in big playoff games, who's been through the ringer as a vet as as much as we want to. You know, Mike Fires is a veteran, and Chris Bassett's a veteran, but it's like they've never really had to play high stakes games like they had yeah. this playoff run. Uh, if you think about okay, what's what was our think about 2013, the 2012-2013 teams? Yeah, Sonny Gray was a kid, and Brett Anderson, and Jared Parker, and, and Tommy, Tommy Malone. Malone, Jared Parker. But hey, who was there to kind of walk them through? Bartolo Colon. Think about 2006 when it was Danny Heron and um, Joe Blanton. Who was there to kind of really steer the path because he'd been through some stuff. Yeah, Barry Zito, that's a good point. Yeah. Oh, no, or, or Barry Zito, but also we really shouldn't be talking oh, about him anymore right. because of personal stuff. Yeah, well, you know, Zito was the vet there, um, but we really shouldn't be talking about him anymore because of what's happened in his personal life. But Esteban Luiza, <laughs> the guy was, he was a veteran coming up for the White Sox. We got him on a one, two year deal and, he taught them some stuff. That's something that Dave's right, man. When you have those guys who've been through some shit and been through the ringer and, and when it matters, that is important. And that's something where I think the Astros had their upper hand with it, where Granky didn't have a good game at all. Game four, I thought from the get go, I was like, Oh, he's going to get knocked out early. But like, because of everything the guy's a Cy Young winner. He's been to the World Series. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He can walk through these guys and stuff like that. And another big thing, too, is when you have a veteran backstop in Maltin Maldonado who's calling those games, that's a huge benefit. Sean Murphy is uh, Sean Murphy's going to be a franchise catcher for us. He's going to be awesome. He's going to be great. But I think this is something that I was a little concerned about going into the season, too, was, like, I wish we had somebody who could have given him some guidance and helped him steer that way. Something Like, that's why I was, like, I was really hoping they would have got Stephen Vogt in those situations. Just, here's, like, here's my, teach him. Here's my argument to that is every single rotation that you just named with, like, the veteran who's been there or whatever, or what Dave Stewart said— None of them won a playoff series. So that's all good and dandy, having one veteran in the rotation, but it clearly doesn't work. It clearly doesn't. Okay, so what about what about Charlie Morton? Disadvanced the race. What about Clayton Kershaw? I just said Zach Greinke. Those, those guys, okay, so you just named the, the Tampa Bay Rays who have the most talented rotation, hands down, way more talented than any of the rotations that we just named, or our rotation in general. Um, I mean, Snell, Snell and Glass now are on a different level compared to where, at least right now, Luzardo and Bassett and those guys are. So, like, I don't think that's a fair argument at all whatsoever. Um, and, and our one playoff series that we have in the past 20 years is against the cursed Twins. So, like, that really doesn't say much for me either. You know, like, it's just... I, I get what you're saying, and I, and I respect it, but at the same time, like, it's not... It's the, the results aren't there. You know, another another crazy thing too. Three of the four teams that are left, three of those GMs or front office people came from the Rays front office. That's actually pretty fucking wild. That's yeah. So like, 
Wow. Uh, Andrew Friedman with the Dodgers mm-hmm. and the, the Rays GM. And then I want to say um, the Astros GM came from Tampa in one form or another. So they're doing something right over there. And it's funny that people always – I've had friends on the East Coast – or shout out to the four train podcast four train savages who also sorry for your loss too but they're like oh you guys are like the the tampa of the west i'm like no tampa's really smart with it they're really it seems like they're way ahead of it and it's kind of what the a's were 15 years ago Mm -hmm. and a little bit before that. they're just a well put together baseball team and they play really good baseball and they do it all they can pop the shit out of the ball and they can also stream together runs and play small ball and get runs when they need to and be scrappy and they have great pitching and they have a great bullpen and they play good defense like it's crazy like they yeah i mean they they are just a well put together club so i think it's time kind of just talking about front office stuff uh we should probably talk about the elephant room but i think we both know what both of our answers are going to be uh bull do you think he goes? No, I think that'd be so stupid. Yeah. He, he, okay, let me let's. Can I rant for a second and let's? I'm gonna set it all straight for all the fucking Bowmel haters out there. This guy is doing the best with what he's got. He does not, as much as you guys want to blame him for maybe certain moves that he actually admits to uh, making bad mistakes sometimes and and fixes them. Like for example, the game one. Uh, thing that we the game one issue of the of the wild card series that we brought up where he tried to pitch around Jose Abreu and then game two they decided not to and they were way more success, successful. He's doing the best with what he's got. When Billy Bean and Billy Bean is doing the best with what he's got. When when the ownership doesn't want to spend money and and Billy Bean constantly has to re put together a new team every four years and somehow some way Bob Melvin's able to get the most out of the talent that he has and really do you know like very fast um develop them into these really good players like that guy i don't know how he does it he gets these young guys and ever the projections are always like oh yeah in five years he's gonna be a great player and then two years later he's the star of our team like matt chapman i don't know how he does it it's insane so if anyone out there is calling for billy uh, bob melvin's head then just uh do me a favor and do some more research and then come talk to me and then i'll argue with you and i'll relay the facts and then i'll win that argument but you know it's all good <laughs> i think he should go <laughs> you think he should go i'm just kidding oh no. okay now now okay so i i think just how like stressful these last two weeks were with this team it was a lot of different emotions and someone was like you should go and then someone's like you shouldn't go but in reality is look you're right he's doing the best with what he's got and if we didn't have somebody like him steering the ship we would, no offense to Mariners fans if we have any listeners, but we would be like the Mariners. Yeah. And, and another thing too is like, all right, hypothetically, let's see if let's say if we find out Bomo gets fired, who's going to take this job? You're going to have a really hard time convincing any unless you're going to you're willing to find some young up and like potential up and coming manager that's willing to be a yes man to billy bean which is hard you're gonna have a hard time it, it finding would, at somebody who it would okay. be a it would be darren bush or, or mark kotze no one outside the organization yeah. would want this job only someone inside because because the reality is okay let's let's lay this out you have a owner who is not willing to con- 
invest high into the team. So you're going to have to work with what you have and you have to be prepared for a future without it. You have, again, love the Coliseum, my home away from home, but you have a, a pretty crappy stadium where you're, if you were to say, get a stadium that's a little more modern that let's say if like the Detroit Tigers, <clears throat> excuse me, they have a little more better luxuries where they can provide to you and you would do that. Um, it's it's hard. Like, why would you? And it's like, cool, we have some really awesome young talent with Chapman and Olsen and Loriano Lozardo. But, like, you know, in the back of your head, it's like, I got a year or two with these guys before I know they're going to be gone. So, like, why would you even, if you're somebody like, a, I know some potential names that I've thought about because this year's actually been, like, a pretty solid year when it comes to uh, managerial opening or potential managers because of, AJ Hinch losing his job with the Astros and then Joey Cora losing his job with the Red Sox. There's a lot of, I think a Alex big Cora. trend you're going to start. Alex Corey, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, a, a big trend you're going to start seeing because it's already started happening is like, Hey, you were good on TV as a baseball person. We should have you as a manager. Yeah. Case in point, Aaron Boone or think about or basketball with, like, with Steve Al- Nash. Steve Nash or even dude, Steve Kerr. Like, look at yeah. that. Look up, look how successful a coach he's been. You're going to start seeing that with baseball now. Um, but the odds are like, we're not going to be able to get anybody better than Bowmel right now. And I understand your frustration because I'm in the same boat, man. It's like, there's some, I, as soon as we saw, I saw Montas just being any tiny, like you started losing it in game four. I'm like, pull him, pull him. A, when Delkin was already warming up, but by the time, he pulled on, like, uh, uh, Montas already gave up, like, three, four runs. So, it, it's mistakes that where it's frustrating to still go through with somebody like him because of being a part of a playoff series in 12 and 13. And it's so hard to kind of really put any, like, value into a one-game wildcard playoff because that's just kind of an anything-goes thing. So, at the end of the day, man, it, we can be as frustrated as we want. We're not going to find anybody as good as he is with us. I, I, I feel like you're talking about it like we're settling with him, which I don't think that we're settling. I feel like we're very lucky to have a manager as, as good as him. And he also bails us out of situations with moves. Like, like for example, starting Chad Pinder this entire series. Chad Pinder came up huge in almost all of his at-bats offensively. And he could have easily just went away with him against... Um, against righties but he kept him in there and and he was still good you know things like that and 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 he's done it in the past so i i don't i i i just feel like we like like the tone of settling is not okay i feel like we should be really thankful because if he if dude if he was with the fucking yankees or red sox like he would have won a world series already you know like no no what thousand part of it like he wants hell even on the giants yeah he wants to live he wants to live budget at home and you know he wants to you know manage for the team that he grew up watching like i get it like i get why he does it and and he has a lot of free reign i know we we talk about like you kind of brought up like billy bean's puppet um i've actually kind of heard the opposite um at least with bob melvin that he actually uh gives him a lot of freedom but he has to do it based off the team that billy bean wants to design obviously but um i i you know yeah i don't know if if there's any coaching change i could see maybe happening to spruce things up probably darren bush yeah 
the offense took it, it, but the thing is too, and I think that's something we got to be aware of as a whole picture. The season was such a sample size, man. Mm-hmm. Like we can complain about the offense is not where it was last year or two years ago, but at the same time, Matt Olson's a career two seventies, high two hundreds hitter. He's not going to bat below two hundred again. Um, and that's just the reality of it. It's such a small size. But if you're having a guy who is your hitting coach who you've kind of put in charge, like, hey, we need to do a better job of hitting a runners in score position. We need to find new ways of doing it. And he's not doing it. Then there's got to be some questions about it. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some reason, like, why, what's going on. And at the same time, if this is the guy that you're willing to put the blame on, but it's also, again, so small, you have those options of other guys who would look for a redemption tour kind of thing when with somebody like uh, Cora or Hinch. So who knows? We, it's, we, I don't think we're going to see anything happen. I think it's going to be stay float in terms of front office, but who's next? We'll see, man. Who's the next guy you wanted to go over in terms of, Oh, you, I thought you were going to talk about like who goes, who stays. It kind of seemed like you're kind of, no, I know in terms of, I think if you look at like top to bottom, like honestly, like, the coaching staff did a pretty fantastic job. Uh, Emo, I know, like Scott Emerson, the rotation wasn't there but at points of the season, but there's still like a lot of bright points where I think you should definitely give them a little more wriggle room with that. And also, we got to talk about this real quick because a lot of people were freaking out about it on Twitter on Thursday. If you didn't hear about this or if you noticed it, when... Uh, normally when Bowmill Bowmill will go to the mound for a pitching change or go talk to a pitcher. He didn't all day Thursday. And people are like, what the hell's going That's on? Right. Yeah. So to, everyone's like, is there like this weird conflict going on? Is there something, you know, extracurriculars for lack of better words. It turns out he had like a pretty bad like foot injury, I guess. And just, he didn't really want to put too much room on his movement on his foot. So, Emo was the one that was going out there and doing it. For I, them, I so. know uh, if Jeff Francoeur to... brought that up. He's like, this is really weird. I didn't expect him to come out. I wonder what's going on. And they were talking about it for a couple innings. Like, I wonder what it is. I wonder what it is. So that that makes sense. Okay. So there's that. But, um, yeah, I, I think the for unless they're willing to make a move on Darren Bush, I think everything else is going to stay the flow, at least when it comes to managerial. Yeah, I mean, and also you got, we have to remember that Bob Melvin just signed a five-year or four-year extension last off season, so that would just be a waste of money. I don't, I don't see Billy Bean or cheap-ass John Fisher doing that. So, um, so you want to there? Okay. Before I forget, there is another thing we need to talk about when it comes to the front office. Now we talked about this, maybe like the first or second episode. But we talked about how Billy Bean is uh, becoming a part of an acquisition firm called Red Ball Acquisition He's Corp. He's the founder of it. Yes, he is the founder. Where pretty much it's like a, uh, it's a it's an organization built on 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 purchasing sports franchises sports franchises. That's literally what it is. It's it's an ownership. It's a it's a company. A group. A, an it's a basically a venture capitalist firm built on by uh investing and and purchasing sports franchises whether it be leagues whether it be teams whether it be any of that stuff they recently just bought the xfl 
and are re-putting that together. The Rock is a member of that firm. So that that's what it is leading up to what you were going to say. Go ahead. That being said, he is in talks to become a 25% uh <clears throat> excuse me, 25% holder of the Fenway Sports Group, which is valued about 8 billion dollars or so. They hold the access to Liverpool Football Club yeah. and the, as well as the English Premier League, but also the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. So there is a possibility that at beginning of next year as a franchise, Billy Bean's no longer going to be a part of the Oakland organization. Well, he owns part of the Oakland A's currently, as is. Yes, but the whole thing is like you can't own two different franchises in the same sport. So he would have to sell. Um, but our, but our, but here's the thing: it's is it his firm? Is it is it the is it that is it that organization that's buying it, or is it him? Because that's two completely different things. Like like uh, uh, Fenway Group oh, is a, also a part owner of Fenway Group is um, uh, Clutch Sports. So like, and I think I think they also own a, a basketball team, an NBA team. So like, but yet LeBron is a member of the Lakers. So like, how much? You know, there's just a lot of legal jargon that I don't understand that I can't really like weigh in on. Yeah. So according, uh, there's a website on Bloomberg if you want to check it out. But uh, according to Jason Dana, he's an associate professional of management and marketing at Yale School of Management. So he knows this stuff when it comes to this. It's a, it's a seems like a clear conflict. A person couldn't, for example, own two different major league baseball teams. For the same reason, this seems to open the possibility of coordination between two teams, which is bad for the game. Uh, if anything, hopefully this could be a um, negotiation tactic. Be like, hey, I'm going to buy this part of the Red Sox. I would love to buy this part of the A's from John Fisher. Yeah, the first thing that just came to mind while you were saying that um is I you know I hope kind of hope it does happen because then it kind of like then it kind of pushes John Fisher in a corner where it's like he he's not gonna have the scapegoat of Billy Bean constantly putting a competitive field on the team if Billy Bean does leave constantly putting a competitive team on the field for him and and rationalizing him being able to be a cheapskate so, uh, you know like like that's the way I see it now you're gonna have to now like like the spotlight's gonna be on him and he's gonna be you know shit on by all of his billionaire friends like oh your team sucks because you don't put any money you cheapskate um and then the team will you know and then we won't be as successful so may- maybe it's maybe it's a good thing for the A's because maybe it'll force him to sell the team it it could be yeah when, when you when you said like oh force him to sell the team a light bulb I don't, you'll see this when we're on on youtube but like light bulb went from ahead like mm-hmm. oh shit yeah maybe joe get our, our maybe joe, our lake joe lake finally buy it, dream, yeah. man <laughs> Hey, Joe Lacob is very close friends with Billy Bean. I'm just saying. Yeah, it's this is something we're gonna. It, obviously, this isn't gonna something that's gonna happen tomorrow. Like it's you're developing. not gonna wake up and see this happening. It's gonna be taking over the course of a few months because that's that's just how baseball ownership and change of hand go. So, uh, not to say we reported it first, but we didn't. But it's something you should definitely keep an eye on if you're not 
already. So, and that bridges to something. I, I mean, we don't have to touch on it too much. I think we made it pretty clear on our social medias, if you guys follow us, um, about our feelings towards ownership. I just want to bring up a little, a few interesting facts about John Fisher. So, John Fisher is Spill the it. owner of the A's. He, I think it's for the past six years, the A's have been number one in revenue um, in the, in Major League Baseball um, because they don't spend much money, so they make a lot of money. You don't say. Um, the last ex- like big contract I can think of other than Chris Davis that the A's made was Billy Butler, which wasn't that big. It was $30 million for three years. And it was terrible. And it was terrible. And then before that, it was Eric Chavez. It was like six years for 65 mil or something like that. I can't remember. And it was okay. It was okay. It, I mean, it was good for like three years and then eh, injuries. Um, He did not own the team then, though. So you can't really blame him for that. Um. He is a trust fund baby. He has never earned a single dollar himself of his uh, $2.5 billion that he's worth. He is the son of the founders of Gap. That's right, Gap, the closing clothing company, Gap. Yeah, that lame company that people in movies always make fun of, Gap. I just want to keep saying that because that's how just you know that's that's how he made his money. His parents founded that clothing company. Um so the fact that he is just that much of a piece of shit to never spend a dollar um not willing to pay his employees during COVID. I mean not the list goes on and on. And it all comes down to him. You look at any successful franchise in sports. There's always an owner backing that franchise who is in support of what the team needs to do and was willing to spend money that makes them successful. Look at all the laughing stocks of, of sports franchises. The Knicks, James Dolan. He's just a joke. Um, we don't have to get into it too deep. Um, the Jets. Another situation. The owner is just ridiculous. The Mets for a long time, yet for some reason they still managed to figure out how to be successful. I mean, it, we're going to be that in a couple years, Julio, if ownership doesn't change. And it's just sad. It's just sad. Either open your checkbook, John Fisher, or sell the fucking team. Seriously. Now, here's the thing. We're not, look, we're not asking... I think it's a franchise as a t- or it's a fan base. I don't think any of us are asking like John Fisher, like you need to have a hundred dollar annual payroll because like, that we get it. Yeah, we get that right now. The A's are ranked 25th have a $36 million, $36.7 million payroll just above the Kansas city Royals, but just below kind of surprising the Cleveland Indians. The league average is 59 $0.4 million. The three teams ahead of them, at 16, we have the Arizona Diamondbacks, 15, Colorado Rockies, 14, the Atlanta Braves. Um, I guarantee if you were to give the A's the Diamondbacks payroll, which is about 
a little more than $59 million. You could have, with the way that um, David Forrest and Billy Bean and Bob Melvin manage this team, you'll have a World Series contender year in and year out. And what does that mean? That means more money. It means more money for people going to games, more people wanting to buy A's merchandise, and more people watching your games. Oh, by the way, the A's had the biggest jump in viewership this past year. Put that investment in, man. Look at what wanna, Joe. You wanna, look at what Joe Lacob did with the Warriors. When he bought the Warriors, they were worth three hundred million dollars. Now they're worth three billion dollars because he put money in the team and decided to spend money. He doesn't get it. It's just it's it's and it's funny because it's it's very much like a. Do you know like the monkey paw effect? No. Please explain for the listeners who don't. Either way. Okay, so I know it's from something else, but I know it from The Simpsons. But there's an episode of The Simpsons, a Halloween episode, where they get a cursed monkey paw. And the whole premise of it is you you, you wish for something on the monkey paw, and that thing goes away, but it kind of has a repercussion to it. Okay. So the one ongoing joke, there's one where like the monkey paw is getting out of control, and Homer's like, very, he wanted a turkey sandwich. He's like, I don't want to eat the turkey and turn it, er, eat it and turn it to the turkey myself. I don't want all this. I just want a regular turkey sandwich, blah, blah, blah. And he bites it and he's like, all right, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. The turkey's a little dry. He's like, the turkey's a little dry. He's like, damn you. So our monkey paw was like, all right, let's get rid of, get rid of Lou Wolf. He's gone. Well, guess what? John Fisher is Not worse. much better, yeah. Uh it's i think the great thing is if you go on ace twitter it's uh across all the different pages that we follow and that follow yeah us. i'm just glad that the, the fans it, are aware of it now yeah people hate it yeah. man it's, it's, it's ridiculous and it, and also like dave cavell we gotta give him a shout out because he's done a fantastic job since he's been here he's been a very great face and voice for the team He's been excellent, and it just kind of sucks because for a lot of the times he's the fall guy on this. Yeah, but and he's I'm, do, I'm he's sure another really guy who him. he's just doing the best of what he's got, like what 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 he's given. Like he's just he, you know like, and you know what, marketing wise, I mean the guy is a fucking genius. He has turned the A's from like what was the little brother around the bay to like now very competitive little brother. You know what I mean? Like he he's almost the same size as the brothers have been picking on him for the for years. There was somebody on our Twitter page, I think it was uh, uh, Brian, who sits over in the right field. He's the one in his house with the King pens. Pin. He's really got yeah. the gift. Kingpin, yeah, the Kingpin, yeah. <laughs> I think it was him or somebody Shout else. Shout out Kingpin, like, by the way, if you're listening. I was like, I have no idea what John Fisher looks like. <laughs> we yeah. just went to the Twitter yeah. page. Like, I'm like, John yeah. Fisher could look like Jabba the Hutt for all we know because this yeah, guy has been – behind the team for 14 years and we have no idea and you see him you're like yeah it's just a generic boomer <laughs> see that's where our problems really come that's from. really what it's it just is another, and it's cu- another, and another session man. of the town's tailgate shitting on boomers um so this is a good segue um that leads into our final topic um of of this episode which is um looming free agency okay so of all those players that I named earlier of like the extensions we gave, um, why don't we do a list of players who were great talents who we uh, just let walk? What do you say, Julio? Or traded? 
Let's do it. It's not fun, but let's do it. Josh Donaldson's the first one that comes to mind. Played only for three years for the days. Your turn. Oh wait, I'm um, sorry. We're going through past players. Yeah. I just want to. I just want to paint a picture before I really just dive into it. Sunny Gray. Um, I. Uh, one of my worst days of my baseball life was when they traded my favorite player, Yoenis Cespedes. Yoenis Cespedes. Felt like I, I died that morning. <laughs> um, I remember being 14 years old, 15 years old. I was at Disneyland. We were walking through downtown Disney, and we walked up to ESPN Zone. You know how like ESPN Zone used to have the ticker, and it gives you updates? I just remember seeing... Tim Hudson traded to the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. Like, why? Uh, hey, what about the ones we, that we thought were were nothing, like Carlos Gonzalez? Carlos Gonzalez, uh, Houston, Houston Street. Street. Somebody we're going to talk about a little bit later in Max Muncy. Yeah, Max Muncy. Um, another couple that like really come to mind are, I mean, obviously Miguel Tejada, but that was kind of – Writing was on the wall for that one. Jason Jami. Hey, remember when we too. drafted Aaron Judge? Aaron Judge. Nick Swisher. Um, I mean, we can go on and on and on longer. Tyler Mack's favorite player? So, that's right. Yeah. So, we have probably, I would say, a once-in-a-generation, maybe once-in-20-year player going into free agency this offseason. Um, and the reason why I want to emphasize him more than all the other names that we just named was because of a few things. One... He was the building block, literally the first block of this pyramid. This team was built around his skills and him being the future leader and one of the stars of this team. In 2014, when they traded Jeff Samarja for Marcus Simeon, Chris Bassett, and Josh Fegley. Those were the guys that they were going to go from there. And then all those other trades, they traded Josh Johnson and all those other guys. He's been here for five seasons. It's longer than most A's players have been there because just, again, like we kind of just said, we don't keep guys around too long. So five years is actually quite a bit. He's the captain of the team. He is finally coming to his own as a veteran leader on this team in terms of on the field and in big moments. He had an amazing playoff series. I don't have his stats up right now, but I think he hit around 350 for the playoffs, had two home runs, like I think it was eight RBI or something like that had just an amazing series other than the one error, obviously, had an amazing series. He's finally a developed playoff player. He's stepped up in these big moments, and he's about to fucking walk in free agency to probably the fucking Red Sox or the fucking Yankees, these teams that will pay him 80 to $100 million, the money that we won't. So that's the situation that we're in right now. I thought you were going to say TJ McFarlane. <laughs> that was a good joke. Touche. <laughs> yeah, you know who's going to go after Marcus, though, right? It's not the Yankees aren't. The Yankees don't need yeah, a shortstop. Need shortstop. They got, that was just they got Glaber. The, the Red Sox don't need a shortstop. They got um, Bogarts. You know who's got a shortstop that's even for free agency and is willing to spend money? They live 40 minutes south of us with the Anaheim Angels. Oh fuck! <laughs> That's good. I I legit think because like Adrelton Simmons is going to be a free agent, and um, I think it was an Alex Kofi article on the Athletic or somebody on the Athletic. They were like, 
I think somebody who could be a potential replacement for Simmons if he leaves is Simmons on a one-year deal kind of thing, like a prove-it kind of thing. But that's a team, if they're not going to want to re-sign Simmons, is that we should look out for. That would be my worst fucking nightmare. That would just fucking... It would That would just suck. I would hate that so much. Before we kind of get into this pit of sorrow that is our fandom of Oakland A's fan, on Friday, uh, uh, Dave Forrest... Bomel and um, Billy Bean had a press conference for the media, just kind of like a more or less year-end review, and they just talked about what's going forward. And they're pretty adamant that they're going to bring back Marcus one way or another, whether it's a, a full-on five-six year extension, whether it's going to be a one-two-year deal. It sounds like that's like their top priority this offseason is to bring back him and to bring back Lestella. Yeah, so so pretty- so to to make it like to clarify a little more. Sorry, Huli, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to clarify. No, yeah, a little you're more. fine, you're fine. Uh he Billy Bean more or less said that he's going to actively negotiate and do and, and not just kind of like send an offer and be like, "Okay, cool, we made an offer." He's going to actively negotiate and work with his agent to try and find something where they can bring him back. Is that's not the what he said, but that's if you kind of make out what he's trying to say, like that's that they're going to actively negotiate with him and aggressively negotiate with him in good faith in order to try and bring him back. It's not like the stuff that we've heard in the past where it's like, yeah, they made an offer, just wasn't good enough, but they stuck to their guns. No. Yeah. Um, that was at least this for is- Marcus. For Lestella, he just said that they're going to try and bring him. They're going to try and uh, bring him back as well. But with Marcus, that you, well, they, like- really wanna, they really want to make it work. Lestella's contract actually isn't that bad where, like, I think – the likelihood of if they want to make a move on him, they can use. I think he's within the budget of what they usually pay to bring back. The interesting thing about this whole like, hey, we're gonna make moves or anything. There was no word about Liam Hendricks. So yeah, sorry guys, we hate to say it. Be prepared, Liam's gone, and it makes sense. It, it, historically, they've never really paid closers. Um, we've seen a lot of guys this year who've really stepped it up and who could become our future closers, whether it's JP one Delkin, um, Jake Diekman, uh, somebody might kill me for this, but Lou Trevino, <laughs> we have, options. or AJ Puck, we have guys, or AJ Puck, or AJ Puck. You're right. Um, we have some options who could potentially take that role, but, uh, it, it, we'll see. We'll see. Kind so of here, here, uh, here's a, a list of guys who are, incoming up-and-coming free agents here before you go ahead okay. uh 3.25 million dollars is his contract right now that's the so, stellas got it the stellas yeah we i don't see why you can't give him a two-year 10 million dollar deal yeah he might go a little bit more he might be around like six six or seven mil i feel like after i mean which isn't it, no somebody I, asks, I, for a player like his caliber the way he hits and the way he plays defense i would oh, yes <laughs> and also it solves our second baseman problem that me and you have been talking about we've been talking about on this podcast we've been talking about for years for the past two years we just can't ever ever since uh uh jed lowry left like we can't find we can't figure out second base we just can't i could also see them just um saying you know what we're gonna kick the tires on this whole thing let's bring out jed lowry's dead body <laughs> One more time. Since I could, t- I could totally see that. Dude. 
Having, okay, so here's a list of free agents. Jake Lamb, uh, Thomas Stella, like we just said. Uh, Marcus Simeon. Uh, uh, Robbie Grossman. Talked about him a lot, too. Um, let's see. Mike Miner. Mike Fires. Um, Joaquin Soria. Yusmero Petit. Liam Hendricks. TJ McFarlane. And that's it. Um, so those are the free agents coming. Um, in 2022, um, there's a few as well that are worth noting. Uh, did you say fires? I'm sorry. I did. I did say Mike Fires. Okay. 2022 okay, is Mark Canna. Um, 2023 is Chad Binner. Sorry. So, yeah, 2022, Mark Canna. Um, Oh no, Stevens Piscotti is signed until 2024. I was way off on that. Whoops. Um, yeah, just Mark Hanna. Just Mark Hanna. <laughs> Sorry. I thought that was a little bit more yeah. interesting, but it, it it it's uh it's not. Oh, and Chris Davis. And Chris Davis. So, so yeah, well, go ahead. Yeah. Uh we're not going to get too far into the free agent stuff because we have a whole offseason talk about it and what we think they should do, what's what we think may happen. But I don't think anybody from that bullpen's coming back, to be honest. Maybe if you can get Sori on the cheap. You um, can't get Sori on the cheap, like, though. <laughs> yeah, but Hendr- Hendricks is going to be expensive. Um, Petit's probably going to retire. Who knows? Who knows? Like, the dude is still a huge workhorse. And, well, no, but the thing is, too, we have arms loaded to get ready to put in the bullpen with Prillian, we talked about Puck, James Caprillion yeah. a lot. We said like, Hey, this might be the future for AJ Puck, even though they said at that last day press conference that like their full expectation is AJ Puck's still going to be a starter going into the future. Maybe uh, Grant Holmes. The, finally, the, Grant Holmes might be going back there. Uh, the thing is like they can find bullpen. It, it's kind of pettier to say about somebody like Hendricks, where it's like the dude is DFA'd. Nobody wanted him. And he turned into an all-star closer these last couple of years. JP one Delkin was, we're like, who the hell is this guy? When we picked him up last year and he was our, arguably our best reliever. I'm not too worried about that. But um, also our favorite former giant will hopefully be healthy next year. Birch. Hey, yeah. bad Birch is only baby. And we got Birch. Bad Birch and alert. We got Birch until 2023. So hey, we got some help coming back go. as well. They look, the big names Birch, that please. you know now that are towards the end of the bullpen are not going to be there except for Deekman. So they're going to have to find those guys, and they always kind of do. They always, they also sign random signings of guys that are kind of like at the end of their career, but had like a really good year last year. Guys like Trinan, guys like uh, like Soria, and uh, so they'll probably get some guys like that too. But um, I I would say. Be A's, A's Nation, be fully prepared to have Jake Diekman be our closer next year, not Liam Hendricks. And he, he, I think he deserves it. I think he, he did, had an like, amazing a season, shot. absolutely. So let's now we're going to go into our next segment. If you're ready for this, uh, we're again we're not going to get too far into the the free agent talk. We have all winter or whatever the hell this California winter is, knowing it's going to be like in the 90s again this yeah, week. Probably. But um, let's re- do a quick recap. Our essential tools for this past week. This is our last one this season, so let's really make it worth it. Uh, I picked Chris Davis 
Chris Davis, first off, huge shout oh out, man. Oh, my God. We've been giving him so much crap this whole season. We're this is, so worried about this him. This is why he got his extension, for reasons just like this. Yeah. Uh, 16 at-bats. He went four for 16, 250, which, hey, Chris Davis, 247 average. That's yeah. what we want. Uh, he scored two runs, two home runs, three RBIs. He struck out eight times. But, That's a problem across the board. But but those four hits were four huge hits. Those two home runs were huge. Two home runs, just the right points when we needed them. Fantastic. I think this is something that I didn't get a chance to bring this up when we were talking about the potential free agents, too. Seeing what he has done, what he did in those last few weeks this season and postseason as well as what Chad Pender did during the postseason, should make the organization feel confident of like them going forward. Yeah. Which makes like Jake Lamb was awesome those last couple of years, but I think you should feel confident in that like if something were to happen to Chapman again, or if we're able to bring back Marcus and something happens to him, Chad Pender's there, man. Yeah. He's got your yeah. back. So Katie, we're all just so happy that he had a pretty solid um, playoffs. So. Mine was Marcus in, in – I mean, we kind of talked about it earlier when we were talking about, like, you know, looming free agents and stuff like that. He had an amazing postseason, and he's just kind of coming in his own as a postseason player. So, like, the potential for him to lead this team into a next-round postseason in the, the coming years is just, like, there's so much. He was 8 for 15, batted 538. 538, people. That is not – that was not a typo from Julio. In our show notes, that is what he hit. Four runs, one home run, two RBIs, three walks. Was very patient this series. I mean, he had the one error. Tough, tough break. But, I mean, Mark Hanna said it best. Um, he's a great player. He's our captain. And he's a great friend. Like, it's just all the things you want to hear about that guy. You know? It's so. Good pick by me. Absolutely. Good pick by both yeah, of us. Go, Good pick it. by both of us. Yeah. And yeah, way to go. We did it. Hell yeah. High five, man. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the season's over. Our last segment, our, think the, the, the most fun segment for this one, though. We have, yeah, we have a couple of. So, if you're still going to watch the playoffs, <laughs> I think you should have some inclination, like knowledge of like what you should be looking out for. So, there's a couple things we're going to talk about. One is hey, are there any A's we should be watching? that are, have potential of winning a World Series. Think about last year with our dude, Sean Doolittle, mm-hmm. one of our favorite pitchers of this last decade, getting a ring with the Washington Nationals. One of those hats who, who in the background be? on the wall is signed by him. Hey, there you go. Uh, who could be this year's Sean Doolittle? So here's a couple options for you guys. Joey Wendell, or team by team. We're starting off the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Joey Wendell, you may remember him. He was our... He was the, on and off second base. He was the return for okay. the for the Brandon Moss trade. That's right. He was on and off second baseman in the 2016-2017 season, and we shipped him out for Jonah Heim, our current catcher, or backup one of our catcher. backup catchers. Uh, and he's actually turned into a pretty solid big leaguer. He had a, a pretty decent year last year. Um, he only played 75 games with injury, but he's on the Rays roster. That's somebody to look out for. And uh, with, uh, with Tampa Bay, before you move on to the next team, uh, honorable mention though, uh, never played for the actual Oakland A's, but he was a product of our system. Uh, uh, Daniel Robertson, he's a, a role player, shortstop for them. Also look out for that. So if you were 
uh, who, what kind of person would you be if you were to be rooting for the Rays? So I would think is like, hey, you're you would root for the A's or the Rays if you're an A's fan. If your team had like an extra ten million dollars in a budget and could pay Charlie Morton, <laughs> that's a pretty good one. Um, I don't I don't really have a better one. I have like a good like at like normal person. Um, um, uh, uh, analogy. If you're willing to hear that, all right, go for it. He's the stoner in your frat that for some reason always gets a 4.0 and he brings all your guys' the the entire frat's GPA up. And you're just like, how the fuck does he That's do a- that? Like, this guy does nothing but smoke weed at all of our parties all day long, but he just finds a way to study in between. I like that. That's actually a pretty decent analogy yeah. for the rage. It's like, how do they keep doing this shit? I'm like, they just know their yeah. stuff, man. So find the scenes. Uh, Houston Astros. You're not going to root for them, but if you want some a storyline, uh, Dustin Garneau was had a couple cups of coffee with the team back in, I believe, 2016 as well as last. At year, least he didn't cheat as the like the other guy did. Josh Reddick, who uh, which hurts a lot, man, because that was another fan Loved favorite. Um, but I'll, there's a lot of love loss with them. So Chris, uh, what kind of person would you be to root for the? Astros for the rest of the postseason. You would be the douchebag at the bar who's constantly trying to fight everybody, and you're just like, "What the fuck is this guy's deal?" And you're just like, and he's just like, "Dude, this guy, he fucking said that I have like like small fingers, uh, so I try to fight this guy." And he's just constantly a mess. He's your friend who, no matter what you do, no matter when you go out, he's constantly just causing a, a, a wreck or just causing a mess. And you wonder all the time, "Why the fuck am I hanging out with this guy?" But for some reason, he's one of your best friends. And you can just never get rid of him. I would not consider the Astros a best friend. Well, I, I mean, in theory, you no one likes the guy who's a dick all the time. But, like, at the end of the day, really, he has friends. So someone's friends with him. And, unfortunately, you're that guy. You're that guy who's friends okay. with him. Okay, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, for me, if you're rooting for the Astros, uh, you think 2020 has actually been a good year. <laughs> Like this has actually been a great year for me. I'm gonna group. Yeah, you probably never mind. I'm not gonna say it. We might have some conservative listeners. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Next up, uh, we have the boys that are just uh, around the corner from me with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Which I don't know if you saw, they're doing a drive-in viewing for the game at Dodger Stadium. You can watch from the parking lot. Uh, I think it's like seventy-five bucks, and you can't have alcohol, but you can't tell a Dodger fan not to do that. Anyways. Guys, you should be looking out for former Oakland Gates. Uh, of course, Blake Trinan, our former All Star closer, he's over there in the bullpen. He's had, he's had a pretty decent year for them. The one that got away, Max Muncie, hitting he's been hitting bombs for the Dodgers the last two three years, and we've been dreading over it. He's had a kind of an off year this year, but the power's still there. And of course, our former skipper from the dark years of two thousand. He was a terrible Seven, skipper. Eight and nine. Uh, Bob Guerin, you may remember him, who we had a fantastic rotation back then with Gio Gonzalez and uh, who else is that? Andrew Bailey was a closer. Who else is the rotation? Uh, that was uh, Brett Anderson, T- uh, Trevor Cahill, uh, Dallas Braden, 
And yep. I forgot who the last one was. I, I yeah, I forgot who who the fifth guy. A lot of young talent, and he just couldn't figure it out. If you remember right, uh, for those listening, <laughs> rotation the A's rotation was like top five in the AL. They were awesome, mm-hmm. but their bullpen or their offense was like bottom was terrible. five. Like I, I think that and was like was that was probably who... part of the Derek Barton era. <laughs> well, you also had one of my. Uh, favorite names to hear from uh, Dick Callahan, which is Kevin Kuzminov. Yeah, he was all right. He wasn't that great offensively. But anyways, uh, Bob Guerin's the bench coach. So, uh, Chris, if you're rooting for the Dodgers this postseason, what kind of person would you That's be? your friend who, no matter what relationship she's in, just her, she, her boyfriends always cheat on her, and you feel so bad. And you're just like, I just need her to find, like, the right one. Like, just, like, so you try and set her up with all your friends that you can. And, you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But eventually she marries the right man and it's the perfect man and she and everybody likes him. So hopefully this year the Dodgers find the right boyfriend and it turns out into a long-lasting marriage. Uh, the Dodgers, uh, if you're rooting for the Dodgers, you're doing it out of pit, out of spite of the giants um that's a good one for me i'm rooting for, I, I, if i had to pick a team that i'm rooting for it's the dodgers a lot of my close friends are dodger fans and we have a lot of uh love between our each other's che- teams because we kind of get it uh but yeah if you just really hate the giants you're rooting for the dodgers because of the the spite i regularly root, root for the dodgers when the a's are out which is every single postseason um because <laughs> because uh living down here you just kind of grow a special like just bond i don't know i just i just i just really i they, I, I don't have there's no real rivalry or hate at least with my generation of, of ace fans because i wasn't alive during 88 so i don't have there's no love lost there um and then again they won in 89 so it's like all right whatever like we got ours um it's not like the red sox who just like years after years anyway um yeah, so I I I the, I'll be watching them for sure. I don't know if I'll have the the stomach to watch the ALCS just because of the everything, but uh, I'll definitely be watching the NLCS. Yeah, well, now that uh, one of our favorite shows of all time is coming back on Tuesday, The Bachelorette. That's what right. We're gonna be we're gonna be watching so a lot of Bachelor for that. on Tuesday. Oh night, so my god, we'll I'm so uh, excited for that. Uh, okay, that's gonna be a sideshow. We might do a sideshow Bachelor. Yeah, talk. but besides the point. The last team, last but not lot, not last but not. Can we actually? Can we? Uh, can we maybe? No, oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, keep going. The Hotlanta Braves, Hotlanta Braves, the shutout machines. Um, they're also home to one of our old coaches who taught players how to become a picking machine. In Ron Washington, uh, he's been the third base coach there for the last couple years. So that's no players that are involved with the organization are there. But somebody who has a really close spot to all of our hearts because of all the awesome stuff he did for the organization over the last 20 years is there. So that's somebody. Turned Marcus Simeon into one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. Mark, yeah, 1,000%. Marcus wouldn't be where he's at without Wash because when he was this first year or two in Oakland as a, a shortstop, he wasn't great defensively. He really stepped it up. Uh, if you're rooting for the Atlanta Braves, what kind of play? Who would you be the kind of person? Uh, you're rooting for the Braves if you enjoy food from strip clubs. <laughs> Please explain. Really, really. Well, no, because like, 
the NBA playoffs and the whole bubble thing, Lou Williams went home and it was in Atlanta and he got chicken wings from this place called Magic City. Who's That's known to have really good wings, though. Exactly, exactly. So, And it's in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, giving him shit. They're like, oh, you just wanted to go to a strip club. But then a lot of people who are from Atlanta or people who've worked in the media and have been to the city and they're like, no, he's right. It's actually really good chicken wings. But also, if you're an actual Atlanta fan and the Falcons are just really driving you insane, you're going even harder for the Braves. It's a good one. So uh, I would say mine is, uh, uh, again, I'm doing a lot of these. I'm just like comparing them as like real life people, that things that you would know. I like it. No, it's good. It's a good, it's a good balance. So mine is, it's the girl that all your friends think is like a dime, but you just don't get it. Like you just don't see it. Like you're like, she's pretty hot, but like, I don't know, maybe a seven or eight. And every, all your friends, every single one of them is like, what are you talking about? She's a 10. She's a hard 10. And you just don't understand it. That's the Braves to me because the Braves are always like really shiny and flashy. Like, oh my God, they're such a good baseball team. And they're always good. They're always good. But they've never really won anything. Like, 94, that's it. But other than that, they've never really won anything. And they've always had like these unstoppable like forces that like people would say are just like the greatest teams of all time. But they only won one World Series. And like, so like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. We're going to have a stat correction. It was actually 1995 when the Atlanta Braves won the World Series because it was a yeah, strike yeah, okay. showing season in 1994. Okay. All right. You don't have to go that deep into the stat correction. But, yeah, that's right, 95, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. You can't even remember when they won. You can't even remember the year. That's how, that's I how can ridiculous tell you every, it is. My, my fun fact icebreaker thing that I do whenever I have to do those because it, they're so much fun is I can tell you every World Series matchup since 88. Let's do that because we are an hour long. We have more time to fill. Just kidding. All right. Thank you for joining us this week on the Town Tailgate Podcast. Julio, do you have any last things you want to bring up? Um, one, throw a random ear at me. Test me. Throw a random. Okay. Um, 91. 91. That was the uh, Minnesota Twins yeah. beat the Braves. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> That's our show. Uh, things are going to be a little bit different. We're going to the off-season mode. We're not going to have as much content A's-wise to talk about on the show, so we're going to be moving to bi-weekly, but that doesn't mean you still shouldn't be paying attention to what we're doing and what the organization's going to be doing. We've already talked about we're going to be being a little more present on social media with Instagram. Of course, follow us on Twitter if you're not. But also, if you want to hear some more of just talk sports talk, Chris has a fantastic podcast to check out, the Magic Hour podcast. Where uh, have you done? What was the last episode you did? Do you have anything coming up soon? Yeah. Too? So every week, me and me and uh, uh, a couple friends, uh, Brad Field and uh, Jay Mansker, we do on Thursday nights. We do five dollar picks. So we pick two college games and we pick two NFL or three NFL games. We bet five dollars each week. And uh, we just make picks, just straight up. So I pick the five best games I could find between college and NFL, and then we just pick them and we give them analysis on it. So that's going to be coming hopefully every week. Um, we record those on Thursdays. They usually come up on Fridays. Um, the last episode that we did $5 picks did not go up because it was just a um, shit show of technical-wise because these guys are just some 
old army guys that know nothing about tech, so I have to walk them through the entire thing all the time. But we got it down to a science now. Um, so that'll be coming out every week. And then um, this week we'll, I'll be talking with Xavier Gomez just recapping the NBA Finals. So if you like the NBA. I don't talk baseball on there because I leave the baseball talk for the baseball podcast. But uh, if you like football, if you like football, basketball, um, and golf, then, uh, and UFC, you should you should tune into that podcast. But, yeah, I think we're going to try to do Bioiki, and we're going to become a general baseball podcast <laughs> for the off season, And we're going to try to work on getting some cool guests. And we've already started working on that. Uh, Julio has been – Talking to some people, I've been talking to some people, so that so look out for that too. I'd also imagine we're probably going to be a, a little more loose with the content. So if you enjoyed us randomly talking about, hey, what are you watching, or hey, what are you playing? No, that's the time because I watched Midsummer last night and I did not have a good time. <laughs> I've heard things about that movie. Yeah, um, it's really it's don't get it's really yeah good. yeah yeah it's just disturbing. I hear. Um, I'm not going to watch it again. Uh, yeah, and also our favorite show is coming back, so we might talk some Bachelor too. <laughs> now, but yeah, apps one thousand percent. Now, before we officially sign off, I think we didn't really get a chance to talk about this. Uh, the season, well, yes, the ending was disappointing, but I think we're in the same boat. Is that we're just grateful that we had baseball in the first place, that we had so much joy that Oakland A's baseball had brought not just us, but people across the world or country in the world we had somebody who uh, posted the, our show on the um oakland a subreddit where somebody's like from england yeah that was pretty and cool i wish i i, I wish i screenshotted their comment before it was gone but they had said like i love listening to your guys' stuff because uh i i just like hearing these kind of conversations where they're a lot more casual it's just kind of more banter with between mm-hmm. friends than it is the season so uh, don't be sad that the the riot is over. Be glad that we'd be a part of it, you know. And also shout out, um, th- just the AIDS organization as a whole, and how we had the COVID hiccup earlier in the season or at the beginning of September. But the fact that for outside of that, they had a really successful time of running this. So like, despite COVID, despite uh, the whole Bay Area burning down and having to play so many days in a row, like freaking kudos the whole yeah, organization totally. for pulling this off and uh we will still be tailgating no matter what because that's what we do in the town um also uh rest in peace to bob gibson one of the greatest pitchers of all time um he recently passed away uh world series with the cardinals played on all those championship teams in the 60s so that was a huge loss to the baseball community so that sucks but um yeah rest in peace and also rest in peace to whitey ford whitey ford that's right because one Two of days the ago. yankee great pitchers and, um, 2020 sucks. And and also rest in peace, man. Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen, the the greatest guitarist ever. Well, uh, well I mean, let's not get it carried away. Well, but he's he was good. <laughs> Jump, right, baby. Right, well, I'm going to be starting, I guess, a spinoff music podcast. But hey, folks, um, we're going to be here. We'll be shooting the shit. We'll be on Twitter. We're going to be launching Instagram soon. If you have so, questions for us, just tweet at uh, us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, w- w- let's end it on a good note because I feel like that was kind of a bummer stuff. Uh, what What's something good that you're looking forward to or that's happened to you? Uh, I'm looking forward to college basketball. Um, it looks like it's coming back, so I'm pretty happy about that. I was worried it wasn't going to. Um, I'm not looking too forward to the dead sports zone because we had such a huge like po- like banging sports 
a uh, couple months, and now it's going to slow down, which kind of blows. But uh, I'm looking forward to college basketball. I'm looking forward to see Tenet. I haven't seen it yet, so I really want to see that movie. It looks really good. Playing at the drive-in. Ooh, I didn't know it was playing at the drive-in. That's yeah, there's there's a few drive-ins. Yeah, uh, and L- at least in L.A., they're playing in drive-in, so I've been meaning to do yes. it. So I'm gonna, and I'm, it's, it's a bit and of I'm a looking forward to living in my new place and uh, hey. ch- living in El Segundo because I did not lose my wallet in El Segundo, but uh, I live here now. What about you, Julio? I bought a PS5. What? Nice. Yeah, I, that's coming in a few weeks. What's the so, first game you're going to uh, get? Begin- Already, well, here's the thing. I um, when they announced it, I was like, "All right, I'm not gonna buy it until because like one of my favorite PS4 games was the Spider-Man game. If you haven't played it, it's pretty excellent." I was like, "I'm not gonna get it until a Spider-Man sequel comes out." And what was one of the launch titles? Spider-Man Miles nice. Morales. Hell yeah! So, and I was like, you know what? I was planning on doing some traveling this year and and all this. But stuff. no, I'm gonna buy a PS5. Yeah, I was like, you know. I'll, how you does know, Ann Whitney feel yourself. about that? Oh, that's just more Sims. Oh, that's right. She's gamer Kingdom too. Hearts for, yeah, I've heard. Oh no, we're we're both pretty big of gamers being here in quarantine between like Animal Crossing and Mario Kart yeah. and stuff. Or it's but uh, that's one of the big things looking forward to. And honestly, just football. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, this season doesn't. Oh get my god! Man. I hope just hope the Raiders can keep it going. Um. All right, so that's going to do it, folks. Thank you for listening. The tailgate for the season is closed, but we're going to take it down the street um, to the park, and we'll keep the tailgate going all off seasons. And uh, last but not Hi, least, man. Julio. One last time for the season. Let's go, Oakland. Peace. The Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, (laughs) and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland.